0: Welcome to Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you, who are so wise? An avid viewer of uh, our show uh, writes in with a very good question. Good morning, Pastor Bob. My question is, what is theological triage? Well, I'm grateful for this question because the answer to it should help Christians and churches unite around the essentials doc- essential doctrines of the faith. Now, I first heard of this idea, of the theological triage, about 15 years ago when I read an article by Dr. Al Mohler, who is president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Mohler seems to have created the term and the meaning of it. The word itself is actually a French word, meaning a sorting out. Moeller's idea about theological triage is based on the practice in hospital trauma units or places where natural or man-made disasters occurred. Medical teams are set up to sort out the care for the injured. It's usually an, um, an urgent scene, like in a hospital ER, as nurses and doctors make quick decisions about which wounded victims need immediate attention to save their lives and which ones can wait Uh, for a little while. Now usually a gunshot wound to the head will get immediate medical priority over someone with a broken arm. And that's the function of triage. Now in theology, the church has something like that to sort out which truths of God's word need to be defended, quote, at every point and in every detail, as Moeller puts it. And which ones, while are important, uh, they're not essential to salvation. So Moeller put the discipline of theological triage forward as a framework to determine the theological urgency of a doctrine. He created three levels of theological triage that can be called first, second, and third tier. First tier doctrines are those that must be believed for salvation. They are essential to the gospel and to being a Christian. Doctrines such as the full humanity and full deity of Jesus Christ, that he is the savior and the son of God, that he gave himself as the sacrifice for sinners, that he was crucified, died and was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. Without accepting these doctrines, the gospel is repudiated for some other means of salvation. Other essential doctrines include justification by faith, the authority and inerrancy of the scriptures and the Trinity. Second tier doctrines are urgent doctrines for the health and the practice of the local church. What is believed about these doctrines doesn't determine whether or not you are a Christian, but it might affect the way um, uh, the church operates and the kind of church you go to. These kinds of doctrines don't define the gospel. Moller writes, you you may detect an error in the doctrine at this level and, and still acknowledge that the person in error remains a believing Christian. Examples here might include how we understand baptism or church government, you know, should we have elders or only deacons, as well as what we believe about the role of women in the uh, the church and in ministry. Now, some of these doctrinal differences make it difficult to exist in the same fellowship. For example, uh, if you believe that only men may serve as elders, you're going to have a hard time with those who believe that women may also serve as elders. See, this is a governing issue and you can't have it both ways. And it may lead to an amicable separation that blesses each other as you go on your separate ways, while recognizing that, you know, we're still a part of the larger family of God. Now, third tier doctrines are important for Christian theology, but not important enough to separate or divide Christians. Uh, There will be thoughtful and fruitful discussions and debate, but as Moeller writes, These do not threaten the fellowship of the local congregation. Now, examples of these doctrines may be the the timing and the sequence of the events that are related to Christ's return, uh, the age of creation, old earth or young earth debates. I once served with elders who were on opposite sides of both of these issues, uh, two in particular, uh, both knowledgeable, knowledgeable men in the Bible and science who enjoyed discussing the age of creation, old or young earth. And you might say that this was their wheelhouse. They enjoyed the subject immensely. Sometimes when the discussion uh, about creation broke out in our elder meetings, uh, it was fascinating to sit back and listen to them debate with one another. It was never rancorous, it was never heated. Uh, They were thoughtful men who just simply went back and forth. And it seemed to me that they actually enjoyed talking to each other about this subject. Now on this very same elder council were men who believed in the pre-trib rapture of the church while other positions along the whole spectrum of of options were on the table, as well as an elder who held to the amillennial position. Now, we enjoyed those discussions, um, and all of us actually did agree that we hoped it was the pre-trib rapture, uh, but we also believe that, you know, the pan-trib position, you know, everything's gonna pan out in the end. As part of this third level of uh, triage, we might include those debatable issues. That's what Paul calls them. Uh, These are questions that Christians often ask. Should Christians drink alcohol? What about trick-or-treating on Halloween? Should Christians do yoga? Christians will have differing answers to these kinds of questions. But the important thing at this level is to remember how we treat one another. Some have a very strong faith. Others have a weak faith, as Paul says in Romans 14. The weak should not condemn the strong and the strong in faith should not look down on the weak. We must avoid passing judgment on one another. And remember that we'll all give an account to God for our conduct. Paul sums up his theme at the end of the chapter this way, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And I take this to mean that if you cannot in good conscience, take your kids trick-or-treating on Halloween when other kids, even in the same church, can, well, you have to remain true to your conviction in faith that you are making the right decision for your family. And one more thing needs to be added to this idea of theological triage. It's not only a way to categorize doctrine, but it's a way that we relate to other Christians in humility and in love. I have to remind myself often that although I've been to seminary twice and studied the Bible as a preaching pastor for 35 plus years, there are plenty of times when I feel like a novice in my understanding when, when compared to other people. If theological triage teaches us anything, it should teach us that we haven't arrived and we want to continue to grow in the depth of our understanding of doctrine, first, second, and third tiers but particularly those that matter most to salvation and the nourishment of our heart and mind. I don't want to be a theological legalist where every doctrine is jammed into the first tier, nor do I want to be uh, theologically wishy-washy where nothing is essential. You know, the person who says, well, all we need to do is love Jesus and one another. Essential doctrines teach us which Jesus it is that we are to love. Every Christian is a theologian, And what matters is whether you are a good one or a lazy one. So keep digging, keep studying, keep yourself in the word and in prayer and be firm when you need to be and gracious at all times. As has been repeated uh, in the church uh, since it first appeared in the work of an obscure German uh, uh, pastor in the 1600s, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for the topic and thanks for joining Steve Diane, and me as we work to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.